on the Psalms, and, but it's really, it really is on the top five. It's the book I go back to again and again and again and again. Our reading today comes from just the beginning of the book of Philippians. It's actually called The Letter of Joy. And this is the very beginning. This translation is from Tom Wright. From Paul and Timothy, slaves of King Jesus, to all God's loved ones, holy ones in King Jesus who are in Philippi, with the overseers and ministers, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus the King. I thank my God every time I think of you. I always pray with joy whenever I pray for you all because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Of this I'm convinced the one who began a good work in you will thoroughly complete it by the day of King Jesus. It is right for me to think this way about all of you. You have me in your hearts, here in prison as I am, working to defend and bolster up the gospel. You are my partners in grace, all of you. Yes, God can bear witness how much I'm longing for all of you with the deep love of King Jesus. And this is what I'm praying, that your love will overflow still more and more in knowledge and in all acute wisdom. Then you will be able to tell the difference between good and evil and be sincere and faultless on the day of the Messiah, filled to overflowing with the fruit of right living, right relationships, fruit that comes through King Jesus to God's glory and praise. Paul's letter overflows with thanksgiving. It, it brims over, it falls over, it spreads all out on the written page. There is something here he is celebrating. So what fills you with thanksgiving? What takes your breath away sometimes because it's so lovely and so good? Is it having this tiny baby kind of in your arms and snuggled up against you? Is it being able to, oh no, okay. Is it Taking up the phone and it's your friend who knows you best and longest and you don't have to explain anything. You can just say where you are and what's happening and it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. What fills you with thanksgiving? Is it music? Is it being part of something that really matters or some work coming together in this fantastic way that you never could have expected? Is it the simple pleasure of having children around who are not ill with stomach flu or who are not having a meltdown? I've been on vacations where 
we all caught the same thing, and it was miserable. Have you been on those vacations? So I am thankful any time we have a vacation and things go smoothly. And there are the other kind of wonderful thanksgivings that may be small, watching the birds at the bird feeder, knowing that the leaves are going to change, knowing that someone loves you in the world. Paul is overflowing with thanksgiving and joy and remembering. And what's so odd is he's in prison. He's in prison and, oh, well, there's this sign too. What he says is, I thank my God for you and all of my prayers. And what is so odd to me is that he's in prison. He's in chains. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about a first century prison. It did not come with any amenities. There were not little bars of soap. There were not any toilets. It was a pit or a dark place like a dungeon with no windows. There had been no light. It could have been a cave. But what you did have was chains and stocks to put your feet in and no food. You wouldn't have had any food unless family or friends brought it. So the Philippians have sent him a gift. And he's really glad about that, but he's even more glad because of their sharing in the gospel, being partners in the gospel. And that memory buoys him up and sustains him. They are partners in the gospel. Can you imagine what it is they faced? The Philippian church, they met in Lydia's house. They, she was a, a merchant in purple goods, sort of upper crust. And there would have been a slave girl and a jailer. And that environment of Philippi was really hostile, really hostile to Jews and Christians. And so during that time in Philippi, Paul was beaten and jailed. But they had had dinners together. People had come after their work was finished at night, secretly. And they had talked about Scripture and Jesus long into the night. And there was something there that filled them up like it had filled Paul up. And they wanted Jesus more than anything else. And maybe you've known something of that partnership in the gospel. There's some pictures here of things we've done together. There's the senior highs going off on a trip together going to Montreat or to the Appalachian Service Project, they're little children all together working on Thursday and people in prayer. There's making graduation tags for George Mason, our inner city church, for those who graduate from fifth grade. And the governor is speaking at Boaz and Ruth, the job training ministry started by Martha Rollins in this church. And people coming together in prayer and Bible study 
and discovering that somehow Jesus is in the midst of it, that Jesus has somehow lit our hearts on fire. And when that happens, our lives change. And Jesus becomes what we want, full to overflowing. I don't know if you've experienced that. In my life, it's one experience here, and then a long time later, there's another experience here. And then there's the daily, everyday kind of joy in Jesus that comes when we gather and worship or when we come and study scripture and when we pray for each other. And when something happens that just seems too good, too good to hold it in, I can remember the moment when scripture became like an electric current in my life. There were 300 people in a lecture and God reached out and grabbed me And I went kicking and screaming all the way. But I've never forgotten it. I've always wanted it again. So Paul, he's in prison. He has nothing. And still, he bubbles up with joy. Because these people are praying for him. These people are surrounding him with love his friends, his partners, and more than that, he has learned that Jesus is there with him in the worst of circumstances. When he has nothing and when he has plenty, when he's been beaten and when he's safe and secure. Most of us don't get to feel that intensity of joy. I get too wrapped up in the list of things to do or things I think I must do. For John Wesley, it was simply the sense of a warm heart. For C.S. Lewis, it was being surprised by joy. For C. Joy Bell C., who is a writer, it is the sense that she is splashing colors on a canvas and then Jesus comes in and paints an intricate and beautiful design. It can be a sense of presence, a gentle nudge, Jesus in our lives. But what Paul wants us to do, Paul wants us to know, Paul wants us to be praying for ourselves and for each other is this prayer that a friend gave me long ago, 30 years ago. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight, that your love may overflow into knowledge and insight, that your love may become discernment so that you choose what is best, what is good in God's eyes. When you're studying, when you're deciding what to do, when you're thinking about how to treat that so-and-so who's been dreadful, that your love may overflow into discernment so you may choose what is best. And this is my prayer for you, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight, 
to help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God because the Christian life is about Jesus pouring us full and that overflowing out into the world. It's not just having a little bit. It's not about just having a little drab of something. It's about love overflowing out into the world, coloring it with joy and thanksgiving and goodness. Amen. And as the choir, as the band comes up, I'm going to pass around some marbles. Maybe I'll just, maybe somebody would help me here. And just take one and remember that God's love is with you.